Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's CME podcast. PrimeMed podcasts are dedicated to providing on-the-go clinicians with pertinent, evidence-based primary care content that won't take too much time out of your busy schedule. Information about CME credits and faculty for today's podcast can be found within this activity's landing page on primemed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Be sure to also go to this location in order to claim your CME credits after the program. Thank you and enjoy. The topic today is non-steroidal anti-inflammatories in clinical practice. I am Oscar de Leon Casasola, professor of anesthesiology and medicine at the University of Buffalo Jacobs School of Medicine, chief of the division of pain medicine at the Roswell Parker Cancer Institute and professor of oncology. So the mechanism of action of uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents is uh, through the inhibition of cyclooxygenase enzymes. This is the enzyme responsible for the biosynthesis of uh, prostaglandins and thromboxane. Non-selective NSAIDs inhibit both COX-1 and COX-2, while the selective NSAIDs will inhibit only COX-2. Regarding the uh, use of uh, NSAIDs in low back pain, moderate quality evidence showed that NSAIDs were associated with small to moderate pain improvement compared with placebo. Low quality evidence showed that NSAIDs were associated with no to small improvement in function. So this is important. As far as pain is concerned, small to moderate improvement compared to placebo. As far as function was concerned, no to small improvement in this uh, area. Moderate quality evidence also showed that most head-to-head trials of one NSAID versus another showed no difference in pain relief in patients with chronic low back pain. And regardless of these findings, these uh, guidelines suggested that NSAIDs should be used as first-line therapy. There was no data on COX-2 selective NSAIDs in the analysis. When we look at the recommendations from uh, three different societies in osteoarthritis, we have that the uh, Osteoarthritis Research Society International, ORC, recommends oral non-selective NSAIDs for the treatment of all subphenotypes of osteoarthritis. COX-2 selective oral NSAIDs were deemed appropriate for individuals without comorbidities and multiple joint osteoarthritis with moderate comorbidity risk. They also pointed out that the proton pump inhibitors, PPIs, co-prescription with oral NSAIDs is not recommended for those who had no comorbidity risk. And uh, they concluded that the use of oral NSAIDs was strongly not recommended for individuals with high comorbidity risks. So they claim that if the patients have significant comorbidities, one should be cautious with the use of NSAIDs. In 2020, the American College of Rheumatology guidelines were published, and this information was gathered in uh, 2019. They issued recommendations for oral NSAIDs for knee, 
hip and or hand osteoarthritis. And uh, we also have access to the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons who recommends the use of oral NSAIDs for symptomatic osteoarthritis of the knee. The 2020 ACR, American College of Rheumatology guidelines, position topical NSAIDs as first-line agents. They strongly recommended for knee osteoarthritis and conditionally recommended it for hand osteoarthritis. In contrast, ORC was uncertain uh, on its use for multiple joint osteoarthritis and in patients with comorbidities. However, topical NSAIDs were recommended for knee-only osteoarthritis. And the 2013 clinical practice guidelines from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons recommends the topical use of NSAIDs, particularly in patients with knee osteoarthritis. So we have a significant push for the use of topical agents from uh, these three different uh, um, associations. Frequently utilized NSAID doses for osteoarthritis are well recognized now. Selecoxib is recognized as a starting dose of 100 milligrams twice a day with a maximum dose of 200 milligrams um, twice a day. I'll discuss with you why uh, this uh, ceiling in the dose. Diclofenac DR, 50 to 75 milligrams twice a day with a maximum dose of 150 milligrams per day. Diclofenac ER, on the other hand, is recommended at a starting dose of 100 milligrams once a day, and that's also the recommended maximum dose. It is noteworthy that the equivalent doses of 250 and 500 milligrams of naproxen is equal to 275 and 550 milligrams of naproxen sodium, something that is critically important to recognize. So what is the problem with NSAIDs? Well, first of all, in 2011, there was a very important study published in circulation where uh, a group in Denmark, after evaluating about 84,000 patients, suggested that anti-inflammatory drugs had a significant amount of risk of death and recurrent myocardial infractions in patients with a prior myocardial infraction. They noted in the conclusions that even short-term treatment with most NSAIDs was associated with increased risk of death and recurrent MI in patients with prior myocardial infarction. Neither short nor long-term treatment with NSAIDs is advised in this population and any NSAID use should be limited from a cardiovascular safety point of view. So this was an important publication because this started the discussion about the risks of NSAIDs in patients with um, a history of myocardial infections. Other findings from this study were that the risk was even higher for those using diclofenac, which was surprising, and that other NSAIDs, with the exception of naproxen, are also associated with excessive risk. The risk became apparent immediately after the use for, for some of the NSAIDs and within several weeks, usually four weeks, for most of these agents.
In 2013, there was a uh, study published in Lancet that expanded on this knowledge. And they actually mirror image the uh, findings of the circulation study from 2011, except that uh, they made it very clear that celecoxib at doses of 200 milligrams a day was not associated with an increased risk of major vascular events. Consequently, that's the reason why the recommended maximum dose for celecoxib is 200 milligrams. When you go to doses of 400 milligrams per day, the uh, rate ratio increases to 1.29, and at 800 milligrams to uh, twice or three times that, uh, that risk. So uh, one has to be careful in uh, utilizing this dosing. So these two studies led to an FDA uh, warning for heart and stroke risks published in July of 2015. They said that uh, heart attack and stroke risk can increase as early as the first week of NSAID use and the risk may increase with longer NSAID use. The risk appears to be greater at higher doses, which underlines the idea that the minimum effective dose should be used in most of the patients. Another important recommendation from the FDA at that time was that although the risk was previously thought to be similar for all NSAIDs, more recent information calls this into question. And the FDA said that there is insufficient information to determine whether the risk is higher or low, lower for one NSAID compared with another. A large number of studies show at that time that patients with or without heart disease or risk factors for heart disease are at increased risk for heart attacks or strokes. And uh, they estimated that the extent of increased risk varies depending on the medications and the doses study. So in general, the recommendation is that uh, the use of NSAIDs uh, carries an increased risk for heart attacks and strokes in patients with heart disease or risk factors, uh, and that one has to be careful when utilizing these medications in this group of patients. The other risk factors that I'm really concerned about that are not really recognized. Well, we have known for years about upper GI bleeding and renal failure, but congestive heart failure is something that uh, sometimes is overlooked. There are studies that have shown that uh, the risk of congestive heart failure after NSAID use is about the same as it is for upper GI bleeding in a population that is 65 years or older. In fact, the numbers of a bandolier uh, study showed that the risk for congestive heart failure was 22 cases per year out of 100,000 patients, whereas the, upper of GI uh, the uh, risk for upper GI bleeding was 18 cases per year. Surprisingly enough, the risk for acute renal failure was only 10 uh, patients per 100,000 patients study in this uh, population. They also pointed out that uh, based on a study published in 2000, that the highest incidence was seen in older people, more than 75 years of age. That uh, uh, an approxin was uh, likely to be worse and uh, that there was a greater risk in those patients with pre-existing heart disease. 
the uh, presence of heart disease and NSAID use increased the odds ratio for uh, congestive heart failure to 25, which is dramatic. So one has to think real hard about uh, the utilization of NSAIDs in the older population because of the risk of thromboembolic phenomenon leading to heart attacks and strokes as well as congestive heart failure. Again, a large-scale study published in Lancet in 2004 um, suggested that uh, the adjusted rate ratio for uh, celecoxib utilization was uh, not greater than placebo for congestive heart failure. So this may be yet another uh, indication uh, for uh, the utilization of this uh, agent. So what other warnings we have in the utilization of NSAIDs? Well, we know now that we have to avoid in individuals with known coronary disease, angina, history of strokes, and those that have uh, more other risk conditions that may lead to kidney disease, congestive heart failure, and cirrhosis. Adverse events are well recognized at this point and should be taken into consideration when using these drugs. And as far as uh, drug interactions, it is recommended that uh, caution should be exercised in patients taking diuretics. There is also a recognized increased risk of bleeding in patients receiving a low-dose aspirin, any anticoagulant, and those receiving phenytoin and cyclosporins. There are formulations uh, for oral, topical, and uh, IV administrations that should be utilized judiciously in this population. So in conclusion, number one, current guidelines position NSAIDs as first-line therapy for low back pain. ORC recommends oral non-selective NSAIDs for the treatment of all osteoarthritic subphenotypes. COX-2 selective oral NSAIDs were deemed appropriate for individuals without comorbidities and multiple joint osteoarthritis without moderate to um, severe comorbidity risk. The 2020 ACR guidelines strongly recommends oral NSAIDs for knee, hip, and or hand osteoarthritis. However, and this is a very important issue, the risk of thromboembolic phenomenon and congestive heart failure significantly limits their long-term use in patients with high risk and potentially those with low risk. Thank you so very much. We thank you again for joining PrimeMed for today's podcast. Remember to claim your CME credits for the program on this activity's landing page on primed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Also, be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and primary care activities on primed.com as well. See you next time.